This is Coda Radio, episode 421 for July 5th, 2021. Hello, friend, and welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. This episode is brought to you by Cloud Guru. You know, Cloud Guru has that cloud playground, Azure, AWS, and Google's cloud sandboxes on their credit card, not yours. Get certified, get hired, get learning at a cloudguru.com. My name is Chris, and sitting there in his podcasting position is our prominent host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. What up, dogs? Misa here. Misa ready to throw bum-bombs at all your MacBooks? Pew, pew, pew. Oh, oh, man. Oh, boy. I, what did you do? I topped you so hard. I Okay, do you know on certain websites that means something that you don't? <laughs> <laughs> Easy, Sailor. Right. Easy. Right, right. right, I'll slow down there. Um, you know, because I know you've like you've you've spilled a couple silly cups of a small beverages here and there. Gin. Yeah, on, on a laptop. Well, I, I decided that if I was going to outdo you, that I'd have to outdo you by about 17 gallons. And uh, over the weekend, I spilled 17 gallons of water all over all of my electronics that I have at home. Um, gallons? Gallons, yeah. How, how, how? I was packing up for a little a little trip, a little road trip, and I went around the, the the place and I picked up every electronics I have and I put it in this cloth basket. Every game controller, every like USB-C charging brick, every, uh, I had a couple of Amazon Fire tablets that I used to control my automation system. I put those in there too because they were loose. Everything in there. And then because I was going down the road, I put it in the sink and I didn't, I didn't, because I didn't want it to spill. And then I and then yada yada yada. I got super distracted. A couple of things came up at the last minute, and I forgot to turn off my water pump. <laughs> okay. I must have hit a bump, and I have this super old like 2013 MacBook that has Arch Linux on it, and it's a heavy tank. Of course, it has Arch. Yeah, yeah. By the way, it has Arch, and so that thing slid off the counter and hit the sink faucet and turned it on, and I didn't know because I'm driving, and no one else is in the rig with me. And so I'm pulling in to get gas and I hear like the waves at the ocean. I'm like, what? And I look back behind me and my entire life goes slow-mo. As I'm coming into the gas station, I'm kind of going downhill into the parking lot. A wave of water comes rushing at me down the center of the RV. And of course it spills into the stairwell and it's just all of this water that had been collecting back there, pooling up in my electronics. I get back there, man. And the, the basket that I'd put everything in was a bathtub. Everything's floating in there. It was all gone. I'm sorry. That's like a lot of water. <laughs> and I had my MacBook. I snuck because I, 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 I brought my MacBook with me and I snuck that under the countertop and that that also got wrecked. So the MacBook turned on the water and then it got water all over it. And it, it's so that got just it, it actually, interestingly enough, is turning on and works. I turned it on this morning after days of letting it dry and some water got under the screen. I can see some, some discoloration where the water got under the screen, but the machine's actually working. Well, you know why, right? They had to, they had to fortify them after you bought a few. Right. I've been doing this for over a decade. <laughs> They're ready for me. I go to the genius bar. Oh man. They, they take the 19 year old out of the genius bar and they're like, the guy's 45. He looks at me and says, what do you got, son? And I said, well, Here's the deal. I was at Burning Man. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Go ahead. There's no way. I mean, like, okay. 
17 gallons of water yeah, is enough no, to... You no, could, you no could, one's going to survive that, right? That's, <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I spill a martini. Nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm a little pissed off right now. I spill a martini <laughs> and everybody's dunking on me on Twitter for being, you know, drunk old Dean Martin spilling drinks on his laptop. You, you're like, no, no, not a drink. How about 17 gallons of water? Yep. I mean, come on, dude. I was so upset. And of course, I was going out camping and I needed that water too. So it meant the entire camping trip, we were like out of 20 gallons of water. Oh, that was your, that was your reserve water? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dude, what are you doing? I, I You're never supposed to leave the pump on. And, you know, that laptop got left on the counter because we were in a big rush. I was trying to get out to the woods so I could record a podcast, go figure. And so I was rushing and I, I just, I made the, it's just the biggest mistake ever. Ah, oh, good times. So, um, yeah, 17 gallons. So you have some catching up to do. Do I though? <laughs> I mean, if we went back to, you know. <laughs> You may have me still beat on number of machines. I, I just want to say this is a MacBook Air that I'm doing this show on because, by the way, if anybody mentions sound quality being better, it's because I'm on Mac tonight, not Linux. <laughs> but I do have nice things to say about Cosmic later. Oh, okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. That, that's, that's what I tell all the women I sleep with. But you know what? <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> it doesn't really matter because most programmers are going to lose their jobs anyways, at least according to... Uh, Maxi uh, Contier, he says that... Uh, I'm almost sure that's not how you say his name. but I'm pretty sure. I looked it up. I looked it up. Contier? <laughs> yeah. Okay, buddy. <laughs> you didn't have to bring attention to his weird last name, though. I really did, though. <laughs> you did. You did. Anyway, so Mr. Contier says that instead of programming computers directly, we will ask them to create the thing and they will do it for us, like, like in Star Trek. And as such, computer engineers and computer scientists will essentially need to become more like business engineers and business scientists and design the models of businesses that will employ these computers that will do the programming for us. I'm sorry, business scientists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, be a business scientist. Don't you want to be a business scientist? <laughs> I think we are business scientists, actually. You and I right now. Business? It's weird because you're right, but I can't tell you why you're right. Oh, I love those, kind of. Eh, ask me again in three months. So, I actually agree with this guy's article, but I think he's kind of a D-bag in a lot of ways. One, he compares C-sharp to low-level languages. C-sharp is not a low-level language in any universe. Let me introduce you to Assembler or C. And maybe C++. It's not the same thing. I think what he means is statically typed languages, and he's kind of, and he's got a master's in comp sci, and I, I get what he's saying, like the structures, blah, 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 the computer, the compiler, whatever should do it for you. But ultimately, um, I don't know, we have enough memory now that math doesn't matter until it does, and when it does, that's where you make money. Like, I'm in this weird position of, I, I, I'm the one who put this in the show notes because I actually agree with him to a point, but I think his whole thing about like, we're just not going to dictate specs to a computer. And, and, and here's why. My job of owning a software development company where we have products and we do consulting is figuring out what the goddamn hell the customer wants. No kidding. If I can't figure that out, how am I going to dictate that in terms a computer can understand? Well, the, I think his thinking is that they'll They'll be so intelligent. And you know what's got them on this track, right, is that GitHub Copilot. That's what's got everybody thinking about this. I have many thoughts on that, which is also why I put it in the notes. 
uh, some people are saying that, oh, it's a GPL violator because they trained it on GPL code, but they're not making Copilot itself available as a GPL product, which, yeah. Before we swing into Copilot, see, I'm, I'm leery about questioning this gentleman's argument only because, you know, who am I? A guy with a medieval lit degree, right? But the hard part of my job is not writing code, which is where he and I agree, right? The hard part is, my customers change their minds all the goddamn time. And they don't even really understand what they're asking for. And I'm not saying that to be rude. It's No, no, you're absolutely correct. They don't do this kind of stuff on a day-to-day basis. So they don't even know how to articulate the requirements. And then to say nothing about, they they always fail to understand the issues of scope creep and changing changing goalposts mid-project. Like it's it's natural human instinct. We did an iPad presentation. We did it in landscape because it's an iPad and they were a media company. I won't say the name because I don't know that I can. Disney. No, <laughs> it's not Disney. And then at the end of the presentation, they're like, that's awesome. Great job, boys. So what does it look like in portrait? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is back in the iOS like five days where there was no auto lit. Right. Yeah. You never know what the customer wants. That's that's like my car. I, I would tattoo that on my ass. I think maybe that's a Cantier's point is that you you will manage the business and the relationships and then provide the input to the computer and then it will. Right. But my, my argument to that is you as the human putting the input to the computer do not actually know what the customer really wants. You don't know it until you ship them something and they tell you that they don't like it or that there's something missing. Then again, if the computer is doing the programming, if it has to uh, refactor. Well, at least it doesn't cost a bunch of man hours. <laughs> well, I mean, if those silence kill us all, great. I mean, uh, yeah, they're going to start developing for themselves is what's going to happen. Can I get the cute Cylon? Starting, yeah, starting with Copilot, you know, they're going to use Copilot to do it. You know, Copilot has those cute green ears. I'm, oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> so what's this about it completing code with uh, suggestions that include swearing? Yeah, so it sort of just uh, took in a bunch of code on public repositories and uh, the Doom repository. Uh, the video game Doom for folks who are doing to know. Classic PC game. It's great, although it sucks by today's standards. Um, yeah, it just regurgitated the entire code. So even the comments. Yeah, even the comments for the copyright. I'm watching a video of it as you talk about it. And even just the the actual line-for-line line copyright notice that was in the comments of the code is recreated. That's... That's uh, remarkable. I would not expect it to be reproducing code at that at that level. Really? I would. I mean, any anybody who's done any ML understands that's just pattern matching, right? And if there's an exact pattern, if you type in the exact function name, it's going to give you the exact code back. Right. Yeah, I suppose. I guess it does make sense on a technical level, but it just seems like it's something they would have tried to avoid <laughs> from a product level. But how? Yeah, maybe they can't. Maybe they can't. Right. What's the mechanism to avoid that without, you know, the the people dunking on this, the code that they regurgitated actually works. Maybe it's, you know, out of style today, whatever best practices, but it works because it worked in 1991. Have they waded into copyright territory issues here with this? Like it seems. I'm not an attorney. It seems like a gray area. I, I, I kind of was laughing earlier when, when people were saying maybe it's a GPL violation, but if it's actually, if it's going to reproduce GPL code. Oh, kids, no one gives a 
about the GPL. But yeah, basically that was the argument. It was like, ah, don't be a big pain in the neck. Nobody's going to like you if you go so extreme. Let me ask you a question. Who who, who has enough money is going to sue GitHub, i.e. Microsoft, for a GPL violation? Nobody, because Microsoft pays the bills at the Linux Foundation now. Right. So that's why the GPL is a f***ing joke, and everybody should go to Apache or BSD. Free software <laughs> is ridiculous. Richard Stallman's an asshole. Let's just move on. Well, Google may be starting their decline, according to Mike from Butte. He says... I like your take on Google CEO taking time to make decisions. However, I think I disagree. Google is suffering from their own success. Most successful companies go through this. Xerox, IBM, Microsoft, and now Google. They start out small with laser vision focus and ninja-like agility. This is why Google was able to eat Microsoft's lunch back in the day. Microsoft was large, arrogant, complacent, sluggish, and they even drank their own Kool-Aid. Are you describing my mom right now? (laughs) <laughs> I think I was just describing Apple. Oh! Yeah, listen, you can insult my mom, but not Apple, buddy. Come on. <laughs> calm, calm down, Chris. Mike from Butte goes on to say, Google is at this point now. They're spending more time protecting their kingdom than they are innovating. Sure, they're large now, but some company is going to come out of nowhere and make them irrelevant overnight. <laughs> That's so cute. He says, look at BlackBerry and what Apple did with the iPhone. Sure, Google will probably be around for decades, but they're on their way out. They're worth $1 trillion now, but they're already starting their decline. Just my two cents. Not a f- chance. Okay. So Google has monopoly power, and if, if we had a guy from Yelp on here, he'd tell us exactly how painful it is to compete with Google. It's not the same thing. BlackBerry did not have ecosystem control. Google has ecosystem control, and that ecosystem is everybody who searches the internet. Right. And don't forget, some of Google's properties are some of the most valuable ad real estate in the world. So if they want to promote Chrome there or another Google product, they have Google Search to advertise on. Chrome? Who gives a fuck about Chrome? How about just search ads? Yeah. Android is a, Android is like somebody's pet project where he's uh, NSFW masturbating because he doesn't like the iPhone, which, by the way— iPhone is better. <laughs> I, I guess I kind of agree. It's like, I think... You kind of agree. I think you're a closet Apple fan. I like the idea that that Apple and Google and Amazon will only have so much time in the sun, and eventually they will be eclipsed. Not possible. I like that idea, though. But Google has such a lock on the internet advertising market. I agree. And don't forget infrastructure. Just infrastructure, dude. They're in DNS. They're in hosting. Yeah, dude. I know, like it's Google Apps for Business. I mean, Chrome OS and and the schools like they are the 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 big five tech companies are at a level and a scale like I don't think humanity has ever witnessed. These are nation sized companies now. No, they're not nations. They're superpowers. Yeah, they're not like they're you know, no disrespect to Nigeria, but they're not Nigeria, right? They're. USSR, Soviet or Soviet Union, United States, right? They are not little countries. They are. I'm sorry, but it's just it's it's a, the Brits might say it's bollocks. It's nonsense. Yeah, Google has a lock on advertising. I deleted my Facebook account recently or a while ago. Uh, three weeks ago. Oh, congratulations! Nope. It also deleted my business Facebook page. Oh. Or it suspended it. My traffic to my business page has been down 82%. That's not a made-up number. That's from Fathom, the uh, analytics company we use. Man, that is bad. 
I now need to reactivate my personal Facebook account. Right. So that way you can then turn the business page back on. And start posting again for the business. <laughs> or else I lose the traffic to the business. And Chris, I know you know that traffic to your business page. That's, I mean, that's. I think that's exactly the situation I have going on with my Facebook account and the JB. Mm-hmm. I, and I just haven't even wanted to try to figure out how to fix it because it means spending more time on Facebook, you know? So it's like I've kept my account around, but I I don't think I've posted anything in three years or something, but it's still there. I deactivated mine for personal reasons, and I did not realize that that would also prevent me from accessing my business account. And that's, oh boy, that's... Yeah, that stinks, man. That's a that's a hard lock, right? That's yeah. Yeah, the other thing that the other thing that struck me just yesterday is it was the fourth of July yesterday, and we were driving out to this diner that's out in out near the spot we were staying in the woods, and we looked it up on Google Maps, and Google Maps said the business was closed. And we said that doesn't seem right. They they normally are open today, and so we kept going, and we show up, and sure enough, they were still open. And I thought to myself, like, how many people looked at Google Maps and it said, this place is closed. And they just said, oh, we'll go somewhere else. And this small, tiny little diner that's ran by a family that doesn't know anything about their Google listing or Google Maps entry has no power over that. No direct action. They know what to take. And Google is actively turning away perfectly good customers, telling them that they're closed. And it's it's an example of just how... There can be some kind of malicious activity that they don't ever intend. It's not, it's, not, it's not an intentional act on Google's part. It's just something fell through the cracks and somebody isn't updating the right page or has, they, haven't gotten, they haven't claimed their business on Google yet or whatever it is that Google makes them do so that way their hours can be displayed correctly. And they're not even aware of it. And it just shows you like they, they are at a level now where they are integrated to our society, Amazon, Google, Apple social networks that I think we can't even really fully see. Like it's just, we're too in the forest. So let's, let's zoom out. Nick Spites writes in with our last email and I, I will try to get to more emails. We're just a little behind, but do keep sending them in because they're a big part of the show. But uh, Nick Spites writes, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on what will the future of development look like and what might be possible? I know Chris is a rust guy. And of course, Mike is an objective C Jedi, but I'm curious about what you think the future is going to look like. Will it be Rust? Will it be Golang? Something else? Just curious what you think. All in good fun. Thanks, guys. So if you were to future cast, Mr. Dominic, uh, obviously it's Rust, right? I mean, clearly, all Rust. As, as much as it hurts me, it's JavaScript or TypeScript. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Also, real-time update, I just reactivated my Facebook account, and I feel like You had to do it, though, you know? I'm sorry, I just threw up on the floor. I just want to say, Senator Warren, are you paying attention? I was forced to reactivate my Facebook account to continue running ads from my business. Yeah. But yeah, big tech. Totally just going to go away. Linode.com slash coder. Now, no matter what skill level you're at or what technology stack you use, you can check out Linode and get something up and running and get your idea alive on the web quick. Linode has amazing 24-7 customer support by phone or by ticket. And along with hundreds of guides and tutorials, 
you're likely going to get started. And realistically, you're a member of our community. So there are tons of Linode users hanging out in our community that can answer questions as well. We have integrated Linode as part of our team. They're like the infrastructure team here at JB. I mean, obviously, it starts with us logging in and setting these things up, but you get started and you can get access to things at just like ridiculous speeds and at ridiculously great prices, 35 to 50 percent less than what you're going to pay at like the big cloud providers. And there's some clever ways you can use Linode for multi-cloud setups as well. Something we do here is we have a NextCloud server here on the LAN that has a lot of our offline archive assets. And we can federate that with a NextCloud server that's up on Linode that is our more daily interactive things like the editing asset files and the projects that the editors are working on. That's up on a Linode that's fast for them and gives them centralized access. And then as time goes on, we can age that stuff to our system here on our LAN. So when we want to use cloud computing, there's a lot of different ways you can think of it. And hybrid is a great option that you're hearing a lot as kind of like a hype option, especially from the Red Hat and IBM camp. But the reality is it just means using multiple data centers and multiple cloud providers to get the best package. And that's where I think Linode is extremely competitive. They're very fast. They're, they are their own ISP. They have 11 data centers around the world. They have one-click application deployments to get you up and running. And of course, like I mentioned, they have that great support. So if your production system ever has trouble, you know that you're getting the best support in the business. So go try it out and see what we've been talking about and support the Coder Radio program. Go to linode.com coder. Get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account and support the show. A great and quick use of Linode could be self-hosting your own live stream setup. That's something I've mentioned before. And there is a product that you can one-click deploy called Owncast. And it's like Twitch in a box. So if you have a presentation you want to do and you want to put it on your own website, and you want to provide your own experience, check out Owncast. You can deploy it with one click on Linode and you can try it all out for free with that $100 60-day credit. So go to linode.com coder, support the show, and try it out. Well, I tried out Cosmic on Pop! OS 2104. After your hot and heavy take last week, I thought, okay, I got to try this out myself and see what it's really like. And there's some stuff I like about it, but I do have, I do have a couple of issues. Where would you like me to start? Um, I, I, I guess let's make it a sandwich, but backwards. What was your worst issue? This is such a weird one. But um, first of all, I found it slightly unintuitive on how to deal with fractional scaling. I have a 1440p resolution laptop screen, and I find that 200% high DPI mode is just, it's way too little uh, real estate. I, nothing really even fits on the screen. And it really doesn't work well with tiling either because everything is so zoomed in and so small. But the sweet spot on that 1440p Lenovo screen is 150%, which fractional scaling is just a checkbox away. You turn that on. But what I didn't know until I got some support from System76 is that I also then have to disable the high DPI daemon in order for it not to revert my settings every time the system wakes up. And it's just a little complicated and fiddly because it involved me going in and turning something on and choosing a certain percentage. And then I had to know to then disable something else. And it just... Wasn't, it wasn't implicitly clear to me. And so that was a frustrating experience, but ultimately one that was a bit of my own creation since I guess I had like some conflicting settings there. Um, and once I knew what to do, I was able to solve it. Did you try the increased text uh, size? I, I 
don't have that turned on this time around just because I'm using the 150% fractional scaling, but I typically do turn that on. So do I. Yeah, that was my, I tweeted about it. That was my like Achilles heel. I couldn't read the goddamn fine. And I'm not that old, guys. Like, okay. (laughs) Thank you for your help, Jeremy. But I am not that old. That should be the default. And get off my goddamn lawn. (laughs) The other thing that I found tricky about it is, and I can't unsee it, was um, the terminal icon is slightly smaller than the other two icons around it, and it's centered. And I really can't unsee it once I've seen it. I feel like that's a transparency transparency pic- pixel issue, right? That's not... It like, could be, or just different weird shapes. But it just, it looks, it doesn't look even, and the only way to fix it is to change the whole system icon theme. And that's just kind of unfortunate. But that's such a minor thing. What I, what I took away from it, though, is a couple of things they've added are, like, superior to other gnome setups their launcher and the ability to turn their tiling window extension on and off i really like that because there's certain times i want tiling windows and there's other times i don't want tiling windows so that kind of stuff made me i just sort of was grateful that somebody is building power user features for linux desktop like it's just i i think it's not that it's not user new user friendly but it's clearly like the more power user you are, the the faster you can move around because there's lots of keyboard shortcuts and gesture support and the tiling window manager stuff. It it really seems to like kind of optimize for pro users, but yet try to be approachable for new users. And I have been waiting for somebody to do that because I feel like too often in Linux, we cater to this mythical new user. And so we create these interfaces that are very limited. And that is not what's happening here. They've they've managed to strike a balance between making something approachable, but power users sort of optimize for it. And that I like a lot. Not a fan of two bars. Having a dock all along the bottom and having a top bar is way too much of my vertical screen real estate eaten up. So the dock had to go on the left-hand side. They make that easy to do. But what I would love to see is that top bar gets integrated into their dock and just one bar, let's just go all in, one bar, that way I can get the most vertical space possible. I know that's a pretty big change for GNOME, but I'd like to see that. I mean, I was pretty happy with Cosmic, um, but for them calling me. You were coming in hot and heavy a little bit. I mean, not even a little. Like I, I was a little annoyed. Like, okay, listen, I really, really want my desktop to be stable. Yeah, you ended up reloading, didn't you? I did reload. I think something crazy happened in the upgrade. And when I reloaded, it somehow magically worked. Although I think maybe maybe Jeremy hacked me. Um, whatever. It's cool. We're friends. So you were going from the previous pop to the new pop, and then this time you just went clean install. Right. I was going from non-cosmic to cosmic. I think this is a good release. I like where they're going. My pet peeve is I want keyboard shortcuts for, you know, quarter scaling, at, just like magnet.app on Mac, right? I, I, I really don't want to have to move it, you know, click, click, click. Yeah, they could use magnet.app as a template for how all functionality should work with the tiling. Well, just steal it, f*** it. I mean, Apple did it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I think so. Um, I agree. Like, the tiling stuff, honestly, after using Windows 11, it feels like what I like about the way Windows 11 does it is you can tile per window. So you don't have to, it's not just tilings all on or tilings all off. It's you can g- hover over the maximize button on Windows 11 or that that region and this really nice visual guide that gives you a visual layout of how the applications will snap comes up. You choose that. The window then moves to the position you've selected 
And then in the empty space, it goes into an expose mode where it shows you every window available. You click the one you want. It, it does a smooth transition. And then those two windows are bonded together. And then if you click in this between the center of those two windows and you resize, they resize together. On Cosmic, this does not happen. First of all, it's just all tiling on all the time. And so everything gets tiled. And sometimes you end up in a situation where like a settings window pops up and it's tiny. And you eventually build up a list of exceptions, but it takes a while. But then additionally, the, 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 like the moving of the windows is jerky because of GNOME Shell. So if you resize Chrome, it, it, Chrome resizes, and then a second later, the application, the other application pops over, and you see it draw on there like an old Windows box might have. And it's not smooth like it is in Windows 11. And that's the problem is I just switched from Windows 11 for the weekend to Cosmic and Pop! OS. And you loved it. And you loved it. Well, I felt like the way they're doing tiling Windows in Windows 11 is really clever. It's, it's like per window instead of always on or always off. Come on, you twitched a little. No, I'm actually otherwise. Otherwise, I'm I'm it's I'm plenty happy to be done using Windows. Are you? I for for five minutes. For five minutes, I was like, you know, this is nice because I have WSL and I could play a lot more games. And then I kept using it, and the reality is, it's still Windows. Yeah, that's how I felt. It's not as good as Mac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you got a new Thalio. Oh, my new Thalio is amazing. Okay. So things I've bitched about on the Thalias before, and I'm gonna, just going to go hard over here. The fan noise, gone. Fantastic. Really? And I got the one with the black, uh, the black color finish on the wood. Is it nearby? You know, I want to hear it. I have a full house, so I had to go into my bedroom to... Mm-hmm. Chris, my personal life's a goddamn mess. You know that. So. <laughs> so you got a whole team of people over trying to put it together right now? Is that what you're telling me? No, I got a whole team of people trying to do summer school and move us to New Jersey. Oh, man, that's going to be crazy. Dude, next couple weeks, Coda Radio listeners, Mike's going home. He's going home. There you go. Yes, you're going back to the to the motherland. Duh. We are going back to the Soviet Republic of New Jersey. Of New Jersey. With Comrade Murphy. <laughs> the taxes, my income goes down 10% the minute I cross state line. This is terrible. But, oh, man. But Athalia was great. I don't even know what to say. And, and I and I, I have to say, I was a bit of a, uh, how do you say this in English? Uh, bitch on Twitter because I had a bug. And I was too lazy to reinstall it first before tweeting because, you know, why not? You've been podcasting for 13 years. <laughs> you, 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 you don't flash USB drives without bitching first. Put them on blast. Put them on blast. Listen, Marco Armet bitches about a font. I'm just saying, like, my patience very high. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of responses from the folks over there, and uh, yeah, turns out it was a bad, it was a bad copy of the the image. Well, or the upgrade, yeah. Either way, oh, this is the new one, right? The, right, so, right. Something happened in the no, 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 the upgrade, no, no, the new one came with the old OS. That's the one I upgraded. Ironically, the Lenovo that I upgraded is fine. <laughs> yeah, the upgrade gamble, you never know, I suppose. You should always wipe and pave, or you could just run Mac with Snow Leopard. Did you see they made Snow Leopard available for download or something like that recently? Wait, 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 what? Apple's made a couple of old classic Mac OSs available for download. Um, can I have a link? I don't think you can install it on any new machine. It's not like they've made an M1 version of it. I will hunt on eBay to find a machine. (laughs) I'll use my blood to revive the battery. 
with the return to New Jersey, that means we should probably warn people that the live shows may vary in time. So they're going to have to stay flexy with us and watch the calendar. And we'll probably end up at recording once you're done moving at a new showtime. Yes, I think it's the old showtime, though. Yeah. yeah. And also, why are we apologizing to them? You know they secretly run Mac OS anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. And you know, you know, the, most of them don't, they don't even tune in live. Like everybody listens. They're like on overcast being like, ooh, Marco's colors are better than Apple Podcasts. Bruh. I don't know how they find us on the podcast apps. I really don't. Because Marco blocks it because he wants to fuck us over. <laughs> no, that's Apple that's blocking us. Maybe they're working together. Chris, you and I are just getting hate banged by all the Apple people. Although the 20 hour battery life, I just can't give up. So. <laughs> You know who doesn't hate bang us? Our members at CoderQA.co. They take care of us over there. They support the show. They get a limited ad feed. And they get that Coderly, Coderly report, which uh, we're going to be working on new and soon, although everything's a little crazy with Mike moving. But Coder, Coderly, Coderly, the, the Quarterly, there, I got it. The Quarterly, Coderly, ha, will be out uh, soon-ish. We do one each quarter for our members. And uh, I got a couple ideas. I got a couple topic ideas. We can chat off air about that. But uh, you can become a member and support the show at coderqa.co, and we appreciate that. I'm at Chris LAS. The network is at Jupiter Signal, and the show is at Coder Radio Show on the Twitter. Links to what we talked about today, coder.show slash 421. Over there, you'll find our contact form. We'd love to hear from you. It's a big part of the show. Also, our RSS feed, so that way you can subscribe and you just get the show automatically, regardless of when we do it live or what moving's happening or nothings. Also, if you would like to risk it, you can do that at jblive.tv, and we'll put those times over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We'll make it available for you on the wild side. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coda Radio program, and we'll see you right back here next week.